In this day and age, communications have taken over a lot of our life. Stop and think what it would be like if we didn't have cell phones, radios, computers, and television. Some of us go back to those days when we didn't have a lot of those things there. Uh, my earliest memory of black and white TV was Wanda Wanda um, children's program in 1953 and it was black and white and there was only a couple of channels and the TV was never hardly on that much to speak up. I would ask you a question, are you addicted to some of these modern communications? And you say, oh no, not me, not at all. Then how do you feel when you leave your house without your cell phone? You go, do I feel lost? Worried about something's going to happen while we don't have it with us? Or I don't have my grocery list where I put my phone, put it on my phone with me? Okay, so I stop and turn around and drive back to the house and pick up my cell phone on it because I feel like I'm going to miss something. But you know, it's kind of fun when I go hunting up in the woods where sometimes I don't have a, a signal. I don't care. I'm out there in the woods and I'm just enjoying it and, and everything. Do you know somebody else that might be addicted to modern technology? I do. I know several people. Now, I'm not saying that modern communications are good or bad, but take a look at a few reasons for each. A cell phone. Oh, I can stay in touch with my family and friends easier and more often. I can read my Bible on the phone. I can call for help if I need it. I can follow the directions to places that I've never been and get lost even faster by trying to follow them. I can do business while I'm away from my home or office. I can look up questions and get answers, whether they be factual or not. Or I can listen to music or messages on my phone. Now, your computer is pretty close, the same as your phone. I can communicate faster with groups of people and write documents on word processors that make me look more professional, i.e., Thank heavens for spell checker. I can purchase stuff. I, I could do without the computer for that, okay? I can research basic questions. I can play games. I can learn how to repair my car or anything else by watching a video on it. TV. I can watch movies, documentaries, sermons, or go to church without even having to get out of my pajamas. I can keep up with the latest news and watch all kinds of sports. I can listen to music or watch YouTube videos on projects. And I think about all these things. Do you ever turn your TV on just to make sure there's some noise in the background while you're moving about through the house? And then you turn the TV off and you go, whoa, this is weird. There's no jabbering going on. Look at this little thing right here. You see this little thing? 
this is a ham radio. And yes, I do have a ham radio license now to use it. But I can talk to the space station on this while they're traveling around the earth. I can send messages out and bounce off the moon and back to the earth with this little tool right here. But yet, you know, you think, wow, that's got to be expensive. $39. And you think, where is technology going? So what's the bad side to these different tools? There needs to be a balance in everything we do. And what I mean by that statement, like in Paul says in Ephesians 5, 16 and 17, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If any one of these good communication things occupies an excessive amount of time, then something else has to suffer our attention. We only have a limited amount of time each day. In some cases, technology can be life-threatening. I read about ham radios, how if they're used incorrectly, they burn people. Do they create cancer? Who knows with it. The example of people who go outdoors and depend upon cell phones or GPS tools to find their way back. This has become a problem for hunters because hunters in old days used their own reckoning or a compass to find their way in and out of something. Now they say, oh, I've got a cell phone or I've got a GPS tool. But what happens when it doesn't work? Four years ago, I'm up on the Steens Mountain, a day ahead of the other guys coming up to hunt. It's 30 degrees and it's snowing hard and this is a new area that I'm checking out. I go down into a canyon, probably 500 feet down. Again, a place I'm not familiar with and of course it all looks white when it's snowy. And I say, I don't have a problem because I put a, a waypoint on my cell phone on my hunt look program so I could get back to my truck. I get down to the bottom of the canyon and guess what? My cell phone's dead because the cold zapped all the energy out of the battery. But one of the tools that I carry with me is an extra battery in my backpack. And so I was able to charge it up. Could I have found my way out of there? Probably. But that's not always the case. What about the situation, i.e., four years ago when a group of us went sunstone camping over out of Lakeview, and I, two or three of the people came in late and said, well, my GPS told me to take this road and that road, and pretty soon the road dead-ended, and it's gone. They said we had to backtrack and follow the written directions to get there. Or the people that get lost in the mountains in the winter. Well, their GPS says, yeah, take this road and go this way and you'll get where you want. Yeah, six and eight feet of snow later, they're stuck and stranded with it. 
So it's not always the best tool out there. The communication tool I want to talk about this morning is our communication tool with God, and that's prayer. There is no way that you can take your phone out or your computer and go on Zoom and talk to God. Ain't going to happen with it. So we have that tool of prayer. Would you open your Bible to chapter 8, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke 18, verse 1. Now Luke is giving us instructions about what Jesus said about praying. In the scriptures he's doing this right after Jesus is talking about his second coming. And you would think that if the next topic that Jesus is going to talk about is prayer, in sequence, it's mighty important. Luke 18, verse 1. This is ESV. And he told him a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Who is the he? Jesus, Jesus talking. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. Now I'm going to repeat this message, or these verses in in the message version. Because it gives you a little bit different context. Jesus told them a story showing that there was, it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. He said, There was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing about what God thinks, even less what people think. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up black and blue by her pounding. Then the master said, Do you hear what the judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you, he will. He will will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on earth when he returns? Now, my name is Mike McCarter. 
And most of you know me because we've had conversations, we've spent time together around here in church. I'm not a pastor. I haven't been to seminary or Bible college. And you may not agree with some statements that I'm going to make here shortly. But my goal is to talk to you about the most important communication tool you have in communicating with God, and that's prayer. Now, if we look at God's attributes, and they are many, God is infinite. He's self-existing without origin. God is immutable. He never changes. God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. God is loving. Praise God you are. God is infinitely, unchangeably loves us. John's 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is wise. He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. He is infinitely faithful, unchangingly true. God is good. He is infinitely, unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. God is just. He is infinitely, unchangeably right and perfect in all he does. God is merciful. Thank heavens. He is infinitely compassionate and kind. God is gracious. God is infinitely inclined to spare the guilty. God is holy. He is infinitely perfect. God is glorious. He's infinitely beautiful and great. And the three attributes that I want to focus on this morning. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Because God is all-knowing, we can trust that he knows everything we're going through today and everything that we're going to go through tomorrow. When we meditate on this truth, especially in the light of the other attributes of goodness and love, it makes it easier to trust him with all that we have going on in our lives, from the very silly, very serious to the silly and mundane. God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. Nothing is impossible with God. Luke 137 says. In his devotional forward, Ron Moore puts it like this. God's attribute of omnipotence means that God is able to do all things he desires to do. When he plans something, it will come to be. If he purposes something, it will happen. Nothing can prevent his plan. When his hand is stretched out to do something, No one can turn back. Omnipotence comes from two Latin words. Omni, which means all, and potens, which means powerful. God's decisions always in line with his character. All of his decisions are in line with his character. And he has all the power to do whatever he decides to do. God is omnipresent. He is always everywhere. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven? You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. 
if I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. Psalms 139, 7-10. This ought to keep, this ought to bring deep comfort to Christians who struggle with loneliness and deep sorrow. In a very real way, God is always near us, closer than our thoughts. The knowledge that we are never alone calms the troubled sea of our lives and speaks peace to our soul. So the question is, if God is all-knowing, then why do we pray and have prayer requests? He already knows what's going on. Why do we need to repeat it? Is it because God wants a relationship with us? And that relationship is built on the communication of prayer? You can do nothing else to build that relationship. You can work, you can slave, you can give money, you can die for. But to build that relationship requires prayer. Stop and think about this. When there's a lack of communication, then relationships suffer or never happen. Here's a micism, new term. Communication is the food for relationships. Sounds kind of corny, but think about it. God is our Father. He desires to have an open relationship with us. He doesn't need us to accomplish something. He is not only all-knowing, he is all-powerful. Now, if there's a lack of relationships, when you look at two people who are dating, that relationship doesn't go very far necessarily if they're not talking and communicating. You look at problems in marriages. When communication ceases, what happens to marriages? The relationship tends to go downhill. You look about families. I've got two sons that I'm estranged from. Now, we don't communicate. Both of them are druggies, and we have a terrible time when we get together or talk. But because we don't communicate, that relationship is really fragile and not good. The same with friends. You know, we have friends that, for me, 30, 40, 50-year-old friends. Communications might be once a year. Might be more often, depending on the subject. But that frequency depends upon our relationship. If you have children and grandchildren, how do you feel when they climb up on your lap and talk to you and ask questions? They climb up on your lap and they just want to hug you. They want to talk to you. Now, my two youngest daughters of the five daughters are now 40 years old. But you know, when they come over to my house, they still climb up onto my lap. And they still want to hug me and they still want to talk to me. And that feeling is incredible. It is awesome. I kind of think, is it possible that God feels the same way when you talk to him? Can we bring joy to God? 
I don't know the answer to that. I've mentioned this quite often, and it may be and sound sacrilegious, but when I pray to God, I picture myself climbing up onto his lap and talking to him, just like I did with my grandfather on it. My old, gruff, cigar-stinking grandfather on it. I'd love to sit on his lap and talk to him. So prayer is extremely important in our relationship with God. You know, prayer prior to the time of Jesus coming to this earth was not done by most common people. There was a fear that if they said something incorrectly, they would get struck down by the Lord. Prayers were mostly spoken by priests. Now, I mean prayers to the one true God, not the hundred or so fake gods that people prayed to out there. If common Jews prayed, they often repeated the prayers of the priests. And even the priests were afraid of saying the wrong words in their prayers. So they repeated continually. And you think of the Pharisees who stood on the street corner in all their robes and gala and spoke their prayers and stuff. Think about this. Through the blood of Jesus, people have the opportunity to become children of God. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're washed clean, totally clean. And I believe that opens up our access to God through prayer. Now, I know in reading Scripture that prayer hears, or God hears prayers from non-believers. We're talking about it in, in Luke chapter 10, the centurion. God heard his prayers, even though he wasn't a believer. When we accept Christ, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Here's another one of those corny comments. The Holy Spirit is our internal modem to God. You don't believe that? Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Doesn't that sound like a modem to me? Converting the message to something? Our relationship changes with God through Christ. And he wants, he wants us to get to know him. And he know us. You have that special relationship now with the one and only true God. How does anyone know anyone else except by communicating? And we want God to know us. Do you want your relationship to grow with God? Or are you just happy with the way it is right now? J.I. Packer, a theologian, writes, What matters supremely, therefore, is not, in the last analysis, the fact that I know God, 
but the fact that underlies it, that he knows me. Now, Jesus talks about my sheep know my voice. You know, this knowing God is going to go on forever. Forever. We're here only for a temporary amount of time, but eternally we're going to be with God. I want him to know me. I want to have that relationship. Before I close, let's go back to Luke 18. If you read these verses casually, it looks like Jesus is saying through the parable, you can get your prayers answered if you continue to hound God. That's what the lady was doing. She was hounding the judge. I'm going to hound him until he does something. Not so. Instead, the message is to pray consistently and never give up praying your requests. I used to be part of a men's prayer group that met once a week at 5 o'clock in the morning. And there was about 20 men that came and we sat and we prayed. I have to admit, occasionally you heard snoring going on. But for the most part, people were listening to the prayers. And I remember one of the old prayer warriors talking to us. He had over 50 prayer requests on his list that he went through every morning, praying for people, praying for situations. Don't let your faith faint, but pray, pray, pray. As it says in Luke 18.8, but how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on earth when he returns? I don't know, but I'm afraid it's going to be not much. And I don't know what the effect of that is. Philippians 4.6 in ESV version Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you read that same, those same verses in the message, it says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. One of my former pastors gave a sermon on prayer, and this was years ago, and I still remember how he ended it. God is all-powerful, and God's decisions are always in line with his character, and he has the power to do whatever he decides to do. Sometimes he answers your prayers with go, or yes, or get it on. It's right. Sometimes he answers prayers with, whoa, the timing's not right. 
I don't feel good about this. Don't go down that road. Kind of come place to this day if you're going to make a major purchase like buying a car or a trailer. You find it, you wait three days before you sign the contract. Let's see. And the third answer is the one we don't like. No. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't even think about it. Yes, no, or woe. In closing, prayer with God is important in building the most important relationship in our life. There is no one we should be closer to, both now and forever on. Bow your heads and pray with me, please. Father, these words of our Lord Jesus have made us aware of the lack of faith in our lives. We cry out to you now in our weakness and our failure to exercise faith in prayer. Oh, Father, teach us to pray. Teach us to be men and women who depend continually upon you, who are pouring out to you every aspect of our life without hindrance, without reservation, telling you all things and listening to you about all things. I thank you for your love. And in Jesus' name, amen.